Well, good evening to you all. My name is Rob, and I serve here on the team with ACT. I'd like to share some thoughts on verses 38 and 39 from the portion of Scripture we've just heard. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, neither angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Apostle John says in his first letter that God is love. And those who abide in love abide in God. And God abides in them. God's love is evidenced in creation, in the majesty of the universe, the beauty of the earth. How do you feel when you look up at the stars at night? Catch a beautiful sunrise or hear the sound of the ocean crashing on the seashore. Creation is a loving gift from God, a place where we belong. His love is revealed at Calvary, where Jesus was tortured and killed. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. And the Apostle John, who describes himself as a disciple who Jesus loved, goes on to say, No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. God's love is sacrificial. Jesus' death on the cross deals with a separation between sinful man and God, opening up a way for us to approach God. As the writer of Hebrews puts it, Therefore, my friends... Since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. We can now say with St. Paul that nothing separates us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. The nature of God's love is laid out for us in his first letter to the Corinthians. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never ends. God's love emanates from himself. Real love has its origins and essence in God. As Christians, we believe in a Trinitarian God who is three in one, existing as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit permanently and eternally in community, in relationship with each other. This divine relationship is the source of God's love. This true love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. The object of his love is you. He created you because he loves you. His love is unconditional, not dependent on anything you've done, good or bad. You are loved whether you feel you are unworthy, think you are undeserving, or just plain numb to the reality of this love because you are hurt, wounded, or sick. And I pray along with St. Paul that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. God's love is boundless, limitless, and unfathomable. It is from everlasting and to everlasting, and available to all. 
Let everyone who is thirsty come. So what is it that pulls us away from this love? What causes us to turn our backs? Scripture talks about sin, the world, the flesh, and the devil. You can be drawn away by sin. Sin is a medieval word that comes from archery and means to miss the mark or fall short of God's holy standards. And when you sin, you can get ensnared, isolated, and experience condemnation rather than the love of God. If you don't name your sin and return to God, you can stay stuck in denial, pain, guilt, and shame. You can be drawn away by the world, conforming to its patterns, allowing yourself to be shaped by the culture you live in rather than being shaped by the indwelling Holy Spirit, the Word of God, and the renewal of your mind. Or you could be drawn away by what the Bible calls works of the flesh, which are the internal desires that result in thoughts and actions that are self-serving. These could be anything from adultery, cheap sex, lust, impure thoughts, drunkenness, addictions, unbridled anger, jealousy, greed, witchcraft, and murder, to name a few. Finally, you can be drawn away by the devil. God has a plan for your life, and so does the devil. And we are not to be unaware of his schemes. He is a liar, a thief, and a murderer. He tempts us to sin and can cause some sicknesses and disease. He also opposes the plans of God and accuses Christians before God. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, as it says in the book of James. God's love is tested, contested, and proven. God's love was tested from the beginning in the book of Genesis when Adam and Eve disobeyed God with consequences for all humanity. It was tested by the Israelites in their cycles of rejection and returning. It's tested by us. God's love is contested throughout history and now by other ideologies, false beliefs and idolatry that attempt to capture the hearts and minds of the people whom God loves. Ultimately, God's love is proven in the sending of his son, Jesus Christ, and his death on the cross. God loves us to hell and back. God loves us to death. He certainly showed his love for me when 21 years ago, on a dark November morning, I encountered the love of God. I turned my back on God when I was 16, being drawn away by sin, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Now I was 32, lost, broken, and trapped in darkness, the darkness of addiction. Well, it was 5 a.m. when I woke to see a supernatural golden yellow light streaming through the window. I would have been terrified, except as the light passed through me, it felt as if my heart was warming and being filled up with pure liquid love. The light got brighter, and the back of the wall of the Victorian terrace on Henley Street faded out and I was now sitting up in bed, being bathed in this beautiful light. Then I noticed the bright white hand had started to extend towards me, and I heard the phrase, take the journey. As I reached out to, hold, to take hold of the hand, it suddenly disappeared. Along with the light and my wonderfully warmed heart, I was left with the deepest longing to experience this love and freedom again. It was around Christmas that a long-lost sister appeared back in my life. She told me that the only way for me to recover, recover my life was to look at what Jesus had done for me on the cross. 
I remember replying angrily that if I was going to do anything, I was going to do it my way. To which she replied, well, how's that going for you? <laughs> my life was spiralling out of control. I drained the bank account for one final scheme to get ahead and have a good Christmas. I was a terrible drug dealer, as instead of selling all I had bought for a nice, tidy profit, I ended up consuming most of my supplies. This made for a very painful argument after New Year's with my wife. I'd blown all our money and my marriage. It was the 2nd of January when I stormed out and decided to go and see my sister. Sarah invited me in, and noticing how distraught I was, offered to pray for me. I fell to the ground, and I was instantly delivered from addiction and filled with the Holy Spirit. My life was never to be the same again, and I knew that day that I had started the journey to follow Jesus. I've been following him since then, through all sorts of experiences, good and bad. In all these things, I have known the love of God. If you want to experience this love, would you consider God's love in sending his own son to come and die on the cross for you. My yes came of, to God came in accepting a prayer from my sister. It came after God came after me that dark November morning and broke into my room and touched my heart. Hear me when I say God loves you. And you know this by Jesus giving up his life for you. Nothing can separate you from this reality. And I'd like to challenge you tonight. What will your yes to Jesus be? And if you've never said yes to him, will you say yes to him tonight?